But I do have a few things that I wanted to share with you. And uh, one of them, because somebody was celebrating their anniversary, says, uh, the wife says, honey, what are you doing? Husband says, nothing. She says, nothing. You've been reading our marriage certificate for an hour. She says, well, I was looking for the expiration date. The wife says, uh, do you want dinner? Sure. What are my choices? Yes or no. <laughs> the girl, she says to her boyfriend, says, when we get married, I want to share all of your worries, troubles, and lighten your burden. The boy says, it's very kind of you, darling, but I don't have any worries or troubles. Well, that's because we're not married yet. <laughs> no, there's just a lot of fun things in life. You got to have a little smile along the way. And so you got to learn to have some humor. I want to share something with you. 19, I'll forget the year. A few years ago, a friend of mine, he was a great friend. He's in heaven now. Name was Dr. A. Ray Stanford. For his 90th birthday, we had it at our church, and people came from, I say, miles around. And it was a, a, a great occasion. 90 years old, he's the one that started Florida Bible College, and one of the greatest soul winners I've ever met. And um, I wrote a, a poem about Ray, and uh, I'm going to read the poem to you. Because the title is what I want to talk about. He often made the statement when he heard the gospel for the first time, clears a bell from Clifton L. Fowler. He says, made me an offer I just couldn't refuse. An offer I just couldn't refuse. So Dr. Clifton L. Fowler presented the good news to A. Ray Stanford, who could not refuse. The free gift of salvation that he could not lose, then dedicated his life to Christ for God to use. The battle was fierce in the midnight sky. Planes were filled with men who were willing to die. With two engines gone from artillery fire, the will to live became their greatest desire. A. Ray Stanford knew the Lord real well. He'd go to heaven, but his friends to hell. He prayed to the Lord to see them through and vowed to witness to his entire crew. When the war was over, Ray renewed his vow. The time to serve the Lord wasn't later, but now. Ray and Sue, by faith, took a chance, began the ministry of Christian Youth Ranch. With youth in mind, he made the gospel clear to win souls to Christ year after year. Thousands upon thousands, and perhaps a million more, were reached by Ray Stanford ere he reached heaven's shore. A. Ray Stanford went throughout the land with a Bible under his arm and a wallet in his hand. For the sake of the gospel, Ray always took the time to explain the plan of salvation from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. When he turned 85, he was very much alive in his quest for the souls of men. His one desire as a burning fire was to be God's flame in the wind. No falter listed against the heroes of faith. 
that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Though a man is God's child and sins all the while, all sins are forgiven in heaven. For the man of old, when dead and cold, is no greater than a lump of coal. But the second birth, when it leaves this earth, is greater than the purest gold. Ray touched my life as no other man. He taught me God's word and the gospel plan. His success and failures made my schooling complete, learning lessons of submission and lessons of defeat. Ray was my friend for over 40 years. I witnessed the rise, the fall, and the tears. His battle is over. His race is run. Jesus Christ will reward him for the work he has done. And I wrote that a number of years ago. He was a veteran. He was a veteran in the, and he always liked to make sure you understood, the Second World War. Not the first one. Because, you see, we recognize that if it had not have been for some people back around 1776 that fought for our independence, do you realize that we would not enjoy the freedom that we have? But somebody fought in order to give us freedom. And since then, we've had men fight and die to keep our freedom. Wouldn't it be a shame for us to squander our freedom as though it had little value to us? Did you know that we dishonor our veterans, those who gave us the freedoms that we've been blessed with, and then to use them in such a wicked way that we don't have time for God or time to preserve our freedom? We shame them. We don't honor them. When we misuse our freedom that God's given to us. And then I also think about those that decided years ago to serve the Lord. And they gave their life for the sake of the gospel. To fight a lot of battles against a lot of enemies of the true gospel of Christ. The ridicule, the persecution that many have gone through. And there's a lot of great men that fought a lot of great battles in order for you and I to enjoy the freedoms that we have in Christ. The Bible says that we were under the law. We were in bondage. We were not free. We were enslaved by the sinful nature that we have. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And because we were so in bondage, we had no freedom. We couldn't serve God if we wanted to. And so Christ came into the world. And he died on the cross to pay for our sins. So that we could have the freedom from sin. From its penalty. From its power. And someday, from its presence. But somebody who explained the gospel to us and helped us to see and understand, and we know that we have eternal life and we know we're going to heaven when we die. The freedom of knowing that can only be appreciated if you believe that salvation truly is by grace. Because it's the only message that can set you free. 
If a man believes that he must keep the law to be saved, he's in bondage. He's not free. If a man believes he has to keep doing something to keep or maintain his freedom, then he's not really free. Because salvation is free. From beginning to end, it is free. We didn't do anything to earn it. And we don't have to do anything to maintain it. Christ did that for us. So when Ray often made this statement, because one night he was in a Bible study at the home of Dr. Clifton L. Fowler. He um, says he remember asking Dr. Clifton L. Fowler when he explained Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He says, you mean to tell me that I can trust Christ as my Savior and He'll save me, give me eternal life, and I can go to heaven when I die. And I can still go out here and live like I please. And Dr. Fowler says, son, that's a crude way to put it. But God loves you that much. And Ray slammed the table and says, that's for me. He had no intentions at that point in his life of changing his lifestyle. He had no intentions of going to church, giving money and being a missionary or being anything like that. He was focused upon this offer. He made an offer. He said that I can't refuse it. It was free. If you had said, no, you, you've got to do something, then it would have destroyed everything because then it would not be free. If I must change my life, then it's not free. It's either free or it's not free. It's either by grace, means that you don't earn it, you don't work for it, you don't buy it, or you do. Can't be both ways. One way or the other. Well, you know, the Bible states that we ought to have a walk with God. And if you study the Old Testament, it says Enoch walked with God. And Noah walked with God. And Moses walked with God. And the disciples, they walked with God. And so people today, they cloak a lot of bad stuff under a wonderful terminology, having a relationship with God. I want you to understand that I do believe that I have a relationship with God. I believe that he's precious to me and, and worthy of me to honor him and to serve him. And he can be the Lord of my life and all of that. But if I, for one moment, think that has any part in saving me, I'll know the gospel of grace. It doesn't have any effect on my salvation. My salvation depends totally upon what Christ did for me. He made me an offer I couldn't refuse. So 53 and a half years ago, sitting in a little old living room in Athens, Georgia, I trusted Christ as my Savior. And he saved me that night. One time, in a moment of time, I was saved, became his child, and I'm going to heaven whenever I die. And that was the best news that I ever heard. There's a lot of people that believe that you have to have this relationship with God. 
And they even make it a part of their gospel presentation. That you have to have this relationship with God. But understand, what they mean by a relationship with God is that you have to have a walk with God. You have to maintain a talk with God. You have to maintain fellowship with God. And of course, you can break this relationship. And you can break this fellowship. You can break this walk and break this talk and therefore not have fellowship with God or a relationship with God. And if that ever happens, that's a sign you never really were saved. And so, therefore, if you were, you lost it. It's a wicked teaching. The other day I was going through some stuff and I found something that was written by a very famous man. And I want to share this with you. And so, to me, he's right up there with Dr. Curtis Hudson and Dr. Ray Stanford. But th this guy is really up there. This is what he said. Today in Christianity, a Madison Avenue approach is being used by many to market Jesus Christ to the unsaved world. Their favorite approach is to say that what you need is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Who would be against that? I mean, to have a relationship with God, everybody would want that. What's bad about that? That's nitpicky. Picky, picky, picky. Oh, really? Well, let's listen to what this great man had to say. The philosophy is that we are now dealing with the baby boomers. The baby boomers have experienced broken relationships during their lives. You know who, who are the baby boomers? The baby boomers. You know, when people went to war and they came back, all of a sudden, all these men had been gone for three or four years. There was a boom in babies. They were making up for lost time. And a lot of people had babies. Those are the baby boomers because of the ending of the war. Now, I don't know if I would be considered a baby boomer because I was born in 42 and they were fighting over me. You know. But anyway, as we going wrong here, he says, so they say the baby boomers are looking for a relationship. It is true that a person needs a relationship with Jesus Christ. But this is a consequence of being saved. Before you can have a relationship with God, you have to be born into his family so you can be related. God has to become your father. When you are born into the world, God is your God, he's your creator. There is no relationship. You're not related to him. He's your creator. You're related that way. He made you. But you see, he's not your father till you're born into his family. You're not his child till you're born into his family. See, a lot of people want you to have this relationship before you're born. And I've done this before, but here's, here's mommy and she's rubbing little junior in her tummy. Now, junior. I want you to promise me that when you're born, you'll have a relationship with me. And you'll have to promise that you're going to commit your life to me. And that you're going to have to make sure that you don't do, you know, all those sins. 
And, and I want you to promise me that you're going to live right. How many of y'all promised anything before you were born? It never happened. And neither do you try to get people to commit their life to Christ or how they're going to live. I promise that I'll not be bad anymore and I'll turn from my sins. And I promise that I'm going to live for the Lord and give up all these bad things and start doing all these good things. So I'm committing myself before God will save me. No, you have to be his child first. You see, you can't have a fellowship, a walk with God, a relationship with him until you're born into God's family. Let me tell you what else this guy said. It is like saying a person needs to go to heaven and not hell when he dies. Going to heaven is a consequence of being saved. You see, if you go to heaven, then you don't go to hell. Yeah, but you, you can't just go to heaven because you want to go to heaven. You have to do what gets you there. You must trust Christ as your Savior. And if you trust Christ as your Savior, the results of that is you go to heaven. The results of that, you don't go to hell. You see, it's wonderful to have a relationship with the Lord, but you have to be born into his family first, or there isn't one. And so all the sweet talk and the spiritual sounding phrases all about it is empty. It's hollow. There's nothing there. It's not real. And that's why there's so many shallow people that have no clue what they're talking about. Oh, I have, have a wonderful relationship with Christ. Where are you going to die? Well, I'm not sure. Are you married? Yes, I am. Do you have a wife? Well, I don't know. He that believeth on me, that's the proposition, hath everlasting life. So if I believe it, how do I know when I really believe? Well, when I can say I have it. If you try to make it more than just you mentally believing something, you're going to get into works for salvation. There can't be anything additional. If Christ walked up here right now and he made me an offer, Yankee, I died on that cross and paid for all of your sins. All that you have to do to go to heaven is believe that I did it for you. And I will give you as a free gift everlasting life. And I will say, I believe. I believe the offer. Because of who's making the offer. Now, if Peter came up to me and says, Yankee, if you'll believe on me, I'll take you to heaven. What power does he have? to? Now, he might send me there, <laughs> but he can't take me there. As I'm reading right along. Therefore, to tell the lost that he needs a relationship or needs to go to heaven when he dies before does, before does not solve his problem because he has to be born into God's family first. You must first trust Christ as your Savior. And you'll listen to it. They're on the radio. They're on the TV. They're on the Internet. They're everywhere. And they're talking, you need this relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, under this relationship is a life that you must promise to live. It's talking about your walk with God, how you're living. And so, therefore, it's giving you this 
without the birth. And you think that you're saved because, well, I have a relationship with the Lord. I go to church, I read the Bible, and I pray, and I try to be good, and I pay my bills, I love my kids, and I work hard, and all these, and you go on and on and on. That's not salvation. And it won't get you to heaven. And it doesn't matter how spiritual sounding it is. Either you trust Christ and Him alone as your only, only hope of getting there, or you're not trusting Him. I am not trusting my life to get me to heaven. How I live, how I live is not the evidence or proof that I'm really saved. Because there's nothing that I can do in my life that a lost man can't imitate. So am I supposed to believe he's saved too? And then what happens when I'm no longer living this glorified holy life? And I'm no longer walking this straight and narrow path. Am I still saved? So when you do this, you place a burden upon people. You place a yoke upon their necks. It's like taking the law and saying you must keep the law to be saved. What burden, what yoke of iron you place upon people, that's not freedom. You've got to do this and live this way in order to go to heaven. That is a yoke of iron upon people's necks. What man has been given the power, the right, the authority to do that to anybody else? Wherefore, the Bible says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You see, that puts a bondage upon people. You have to live a certain way in order to go to heaven. Does that mean that I'm against having a relationship with God? No. If that's what you understand, you're not listening. You're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm saying that to get to heaven, all you need to do is believe the offer. He offers the free gift of everlasting life. He did not say, he that believeth on me hath a relationship with God. Now you can have one, but that's a result you must trust Christ as Savior and depend upon Him and be born into His family. And once you're born into God's family, yes, now as a child of God, my Heavenly Father who loves me, He's my daddy, I'm His child. And we can get along and I can obey and I can disobey, but I'm still His child. I'm related to Him. And we have a wonderful relationship. But how did I get it? I, first of all, had to be born into his family by believing the offer that he made to me. This person here that wrote this was pretty good. He wrote, he says, A person must trust Christ as the one who died for their sins, was buried, and rose again from the dead. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Upon trusting Christ as Savior, a person is born again and does have a relationship with Christ. I believe, and this is what he said, I believe that this approach is not a good approach to witnessing to the lost because of the fact that people think of relationships in terms of human relationships. This means relationships can be broken. An effort must be put forth to prevent broken relationships. Applying this concept to a relationship with Jesus Christ would make salvation by works and present a salvation that could be lost because you, can you break a relationship? And fellowship and friendship. So you see, 
you can break all of those. So they're taking a situation between, you know, in, that can happen in families and say, you need to work on your relationship with God. No, that doesn't save anybody. Also, using this approach causes confusion because the phrase relationship with Jesus Christ is misused to inquire about the Christian life of the believer. When you have this relationship with Christ, now you're going to judge whether the person is really in a relationship with Christ based upon what he does and doesn't do, how he lives and doesn't live. All of his sins. Oh, that's a sign you're not having a relationship with Christ because if you were, you wouldn't be doing that. And if you really had a relationship with Christ, you, wouldn't, you would be in church every Sunday, reading this Bible, praying and witnessing, doing all those things. Now, you be honest with yourself. Do you faithfully do all those things all the time? Then you would have a reason to doubt that you're really saved. Whenever you begin to enter works into part of your salvation, then you're no longer trusting the Lord. You're looking at how you're living as the proof. This becomes your evidence. And this is what's wrong with it. And so he made this statement, and I thought it was pretty good. And um, by the way, if you want to know who, who wrote this, it was written by um, Dr. Hank Lindstrom. You ever heard of him? Dr. Hank Lindstrom wrote everything that I just told you. But I didn't know where Hank stood on this until I saw this Friday afternoon after I came home from the radio station. And I had made a few remarks about it on the radio broadcast. Anybody here on radio broadcasts? A few of you, didn't you? But this is what I was talking about. I'm just glad that he's, on the, he's right with me. But maybe we see the same thing. We see how terrible it is and how wicked it is. Now, I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of John, chapter 20. The Gospel of John in chapter 20. When you read the book of John, there's a few things that I want you to, to notice. When Christ did miracles, they were for a reason. There were signs that he did, but the signs were so that people would believe the message. They believe what he said. Because he said something that was pretty good. He would say things like, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. That was a, an offer he made that I just can't refuse. When I first understood John 3.16, it was an offer I just couldn't pass up. Because the offer was not me doing anything. All I had to do is receive it. So don't add nothing else to it. Yes, but don't butt it around. Just simply believe it. You mean to tell me that I can trust Christ right now as my Savior, believing that He died on the cross and paid for all my sins, and I don't have to stop anything, and I don't have to promise to do anything, and just like I am, I can go to heaven when I die? If you did, it would be grace, wouldn't it? You know what grace is? Grace means you don't deserve it. Because in the back of most people's mind, they say, that's not right, that's not right. You can't tell me. Because they don't believe that God can give you a free gift of eternal life without you paying something for it. Well, if you had to pay something for it, then it's not free. It's the opposite of great grace. says it's unmerited. You don't merit. You don't deserve it. If I did get to heaven, that would be grace, wouldn't it? 
That would be grace. Can a man live as he please? Yes. Can he get away with it? No. You got children? Can they be rebellious? Yes. Can they get away with it? Not if you're a good parent. I assure you, your heavenly father is a good daddy. And he has the privileges as a father to beat the tar out of you. And maybe even take you home before your time. But you can't live as you please and get away with it. But isn't it wonderful to know the freedom? I'm going to heaven when I die. I've known that for 53 years. The best news in all the world. And you'll notice in verse 30 makes a statement. And many other signs, this is in John chapter 20, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you can have this wonderful relationship. No, it didn't say that. You may have this eternal life. It's a gift. He wants to give you something. After you trust Christ as Savior, you accept this free gift, this offer that he made. You become a child of God. And now as a child of God, now I can have a relationship with God because it's between the Father and the Son. But you can't have a relationship with God if you're not his child. I think the Bible is pretty clear. But I wanted to give you these three things. See, there is an external revelation. External, the signs that he gave was to convince the people that what he had to say was the truth. That he was legitimate and he had the right to offer because nobody could do what he could do. He could walk on water. Have you tried it lately? I told the people in Minnesota, I can walk on water. They laughed. I says, and I says, I can prove it to you. They said, prove it. I said, I'll be up here in January. It's frozen solid. But Jesus didn't have to wait till the winter time for it to freeze solid. He walked on water. You can't do that. He made 10,000 uh, chicken sandwiches and fish sandwiches. He, he did all these things for the people. He raised the dead. You can't do that. A man with a withered arm heals his arm. Made a blind man to see and a deaf man to hear. Try it. But God can do those things. So when he made an offer, they knew it was a good offer because of uh, the one that was making it. And if the one that made the offer says, it's free, it's a gift, I'll give it to you as a gift. Well, why did he do it that way? Because he wanted you to know how much he loved you. He doesn't make me serve him. I don't have to serve God. I'll go to heaven because he loves me, not because I love God. But do I love God? Yes, I do. I love him with all my heart. I want to serve with everything I've got. But I'm not doing it so I can go to heaven. I'm doing it because I'm going to heaven, not to get there. And so as you read these scriptures and it goes through and it tells you all the things. Now, when it has internal response, he made an external Sign. He said something. He did something. He proved it, who he is and what he's done. Because of who he is, he said, if I would believe it, I would have something. He made an offer, and I just can't refuse it. Because it's all based upon what he did for. He died. He paid for my sins, so I don't have any sins to pay for. I can't go to hell today. I can't go to hell tomorrow. I don't have any sins to pay for. He paid for all of mine. 
That's why I can go to heaven. And I refuse to allow anybody to enslave me again. To put me back under bondage. I serve the Lord because I'm free. Because I don't have to. I serve the Lord because I want to. I want to go to church. Now, if you don't want to go, you don't. You live the way you please. And you go to whatever church you please. And when you give money, you give what you please. And then when you really want to make up your mind to read the Bible, whenever that may be, it's according to how much you please. You live the way you please, don't you? Well, what's wrong with me living the way I please and I'm still going to heaven? And if I choose to rebel against God, it cannot be that God changes his mind and takes away my salvation because he gave me the free gift, free gift of eternal life, and that's why I'm going to heaven. But for some reason over the years, as I read the Bible and I studied it, I found out, boy, he really loved me. He loves me. Love has a way of responding to love. I want to love him back. And so there's something that on the inside. If I would believe it, I would have something. And so there is this external result. You see, I have eternal life. I have eternal life. That's why the Bible says, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever, anybody, anybody, believeth in him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if I believe this wonderful offer that he made, and all I did is in my mind I believed what the person that offered it said. And how do I know if I really believe him? When I can say, I have it. You see, I have eternal life. That is my evidence that I'm saved. I have eternal life. Because that's what he said I would receive if I believed him. It's kind of like the person that uh, was standing before a crowd as he was going to walk across the Niagara Falls and push a wheelbarrow. He says, anybody believe that I can push somebody across in this thing? And a lot of people. He says, get in. You really believe it? Yeah, get in. Well, I don't know if I believe that much. Because you can believe a lot of things until you have to trust it. You see, I believed on Christ, and I never questioned or doubted because look who it is that's making the offer. It's the Lord. There is nobody greater than him. Nobody more powerful than him. He can keep his word. I am trusting him and believing exactly what he said. He said that if I believed it, he would in no wise, in no way, ever cast me out. It means that when I trusted him 53 years ago, there was absolutely no way in the future I could ever go to hell. Impossible. I'm going to heaven. Is it because I'm good? No, I'm not good. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. That's what I am. The Bible says all have sinned, so you're right there with me. How do you like your company? You might as well learn to love me. You get to heaven, you're going to have to live with me for the rest of eternity. So you might as well start now. Don't that make sense?
I think so. But anyway, as you go through here, there's so much that God has for us. And he makes an offer that you just can't refuse it. Let me show you something. This is how Ray used to explain the gospel. Hank used to do it like this also. I think he used a songbook somebody told me. Uh, he probably wore out some of those songbooks. But look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me. And the wallet represent all the things we do that's wrong. God loves us. Now he hates what we do wrong. Just like I love my children. I don't like it when they disobey. I have to be careful of my daughter sitting here. But God loves us, but he hates what we do wrong. And to pay for this sin is eternal separation from God. It means the wages of sin is death. That's why everybody dies. See, if you didn't sin, you wouldn't die. But how's it looking? Not looking too good, is it? You're getting older and older and older. And there comes a point where you don't look younger and younger and younger. We'd like to wish that. Look in the mirror today because 10 years from now, you'll be surprised how young you look today. I saw a picture of me 20 years ago. I thought, I used to look like that. It's coming. But the Bible says we're all condemned. The whole world. We're all in the same boat. And God says that you cannot earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven. Because, see, you have to be perfect to go to heaven. Nobody's perfect. We're all sinners. And the Bible says your good deeds, regardless of how many, will never pay for one of your sins. This hand represents Jesus Christ. People hear about this all the time, but they just don't get it. Jesus Christ was the Lord. He was God in the flesh. Came into the world. Never sinned. He didn't have to die. He said even while they were going to crucify him, he said, I can call 10,000 angels. They couldn't do anything to him that he didn't let them do to him. He says, I have the power to lay my life down and the power to raise it up. But he says that he loves us. And so he came and took all the sins of all the world and paid for them on the cross. He came back from the dead and said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Christ did for us. You know, here's a good thought to always remember. Jesus Christ would rather die than live without me. He would rather die than live without you. That's how much he loved you. Forget the world. Just think about you. He would rather die than live without you. You talking about somebody that loves you? He does. And he wanted to prove how much he loved. And that's why he took all of your sin, not some of them. If he took all of them but one, he didn't help you. He took all of your sins. From the time you're born to the time you die, he took them all, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. And he said that if you'll believe that he did it for you, he would put this payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did. He gets all the honor, all the glory, all the credit. It's not of works lest any man should boast. I can't say I'm going to heaven because I have this wonderful relationship with God. No, I'm, I'm going to heaven because Christ died for me. That's why I'm going to heaven. 
Christ died and paid for my sins. And I believe that. I hope that I've made it simple enough and clear enough that you say, you know, that's, that's an offer that I just can't refuse. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed, eyes closed, and no one looking around. If you're here and never have trusted Christ as your Savior, maybe you just never understood before. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you to give any money. I'm not asking you to do anything except just receive something. Not give, receive. Would you believe that when Christ died, he died for you? Would you believe that? Would you trust him as your Savior right now? Would you say, preacher, that made sense to me. And I want to know that I'm going to heaven. And I'm going to trust Christ right now as my Savior. And I'd like for you to pray for me. So with heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Not going to embarrass you. Not going to have you forward. But right where you're sitting, say, yes, that made sense to me. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Anyone at all. Just slip it up very quickly. Yes, God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Anyone else? It's just a decision that you need to make. Say, that was an offer that I just can't refuse that because it's free. It's free. God knows who you are. knows where you are. Would you trust him? Anyone else before we close? Our Father, we thank you so much for the individuals that indicated by an uplifted hand that right now they would accept that payment you made on the cross for them. By doing so, they become your child for all eternity. And Father, because they are your children, you want them to walk with you and to talk to you. You want them to read your word and get involved in a good Bible, believing and teaching church where they can grow and meet with other Christians because these things are good and profitable. We ask your blessings upon each one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.